Good morning. Thank you for joining this morning. Being aware of awareness practice. Uh, you'll hear three bells. One, just a moment. Uh, the second bell will be midway through. And then the final bell will be uh, 60 minutes from now. So as we allow the body just to come into a, a comfort and ease, often I, I just scan to see if the, the ankles want a little twist or the hands want a little flexing, um, just to release a little bit of constriction and just allow the, the settling in. And as we watch the journey of attention for the next hour, we can just start by noticing where attention is right now. Might be up on the thought, sensation in the body, a sound and environment, a story about yesterday, a worry about the future imagining that um, doesn't necessarily feel like imagination feels very current and yet it's kind of just a stirring emotional emotionally in response to a, a thought about the future it might be just attention might just be on energy in the body you know one certain spot in the solar plexus of the chest, the throat, the belly, you can notice attention just goes where attention goes. And, and that's noticed. And we can notice that while the attention may seem like there's some effort, whether it's going out or whether it's you know, intending to bring the atten attention back, the noticing that notices that, the awareness is effortless. awareness that's here right now, operating, present, it's choiceless. There's no decisions to be made. There's no option A, B, and C. Awareness just notices everything happening. And we can feel into the, the resting and beingness that's available. Because beingness is doing the being. We're not, we're not doing the being. You know, we can check for ourselves. There's some imagination about doing the being, but 
as we woke up this morning, we found beingness intact. We found knowingness, knowing the experience. Whether mind said that it liked it or mind said it didn't, you know, no matter what that inner Siskel and Ebert did with their thumbs, up or down, awareness said yes. This too. This too. Awareness is a, it's a big welcome mat to whatever life brings as life brings it, or as long as life brings it. So why does it not always feel like that? Well, one of the things we can observe is that the wide open welcome mat, the completely unrestricted aperture of awareness undergoes a, a seeming restriction in experience when the belief in being a person gets stimulated. And it doesn't present like, hey, that's my belief in being a person. It presents like, God, this should not be happening like this. This is not the way this was supposed to go. It presents like a problem, like a, like a situation that has to be solved. And the often unexamined assumption is that there's an individual person there that is in charge of fending off life or bringing into life what is needed. At its core is a belief in a person. And as Helen Hamilton puts it, the obstacle is belief in being a person that is attached to a person, a place, a thing, or an event. There's an attachment. And the attachment says, we need this event, this person, this thing, this place to make us happy. Quite often these attachments, Helen writes, can have so much emotional charge around them that it can seemingly eclipse our ability to sense the noumenon for a while, to experience the wide open welcome mat of awareness. So the first thing is, that the prayer is, may awareness land on that. The prayer is for more truth being given, more clarity, more seeing. Oh Lord, I will to see today above all else. I want to see. Above all else, I want to see. I cannot let go of something I do not see is there.
though, Helen Hamilton puts it even more succinctly in writing about the suffering. She says, all of our suffering comes because we assume that we know what we are. All of our suffering comes because we assume that we know what we are. If we really look at all of our beliefs about ourselves, we come to see that they are all based upon the fact we believe that we are this mind and body. That this sense of I is only this. And that's really the crucial distinction. We assume we know what we are and we limit what we are to only this mind and body. The inevitable, unavoidable experience will be suffering. The good news is the suffering indicates it's not true. It's this incredibly intelligent design. that programs right into the programming the telltale sign that the programming is not true. We assume that we are only this, a mind and a body. And we simply never question it again. Maybe we just stop right here. Very first page of chapter 21 of Helen Hamilton's Resolving the Ego. Chapter on self-inquiry. and check in to see there is a belief that plays that we are only a mind and a body. In other words, that we are a person separate from everything else. Is there a belief plane that we're only this? A body, we can see, we can feel, and a mind (laughs) that we can so often hear. In other words, we believe that we are only phenomena. The object of a body, and moving thought objects of mind, thought forms, little energy bubbles with words in them, 
history, scripts, narratives, expectations, judgments. And this is what sets up the premise for self-inquiry. Noticing the belief plane through person. Only a mind and a body. Because in seeing the belief that we are phenomena, we are in essence objects. During self-inquiry, we turn and look for the object. That's how we test out the belief. So then every time the belief plays, we look for it. Because this belief that we are only a mind and a body is so deeply believed, has a lot of energy and belief around it. Again, the very good news is that energy and belief comes from us. So we have the power, are in the unique position, and in fact are the only ones that can look right at it, recognize it, test it out, and see whether it's true. Helen writes, the habit and tendency to automatically assume that this is true, that we are a person, that we are only a mind and a body, is not even noticed, let alone questioned. Self-inquiry is a very simple technique that acts like a mirror in which instead of assuming we know, we are finally able to say, I do not know what this sense of I is. I do not know what this sense of I is. When we are open to actually look and see what this I is, then we can begin to break down this energetic mass of belief around it. When we are open to actually look and see what this I is, then and only then can we begin to break down this energetic mass of belief around it. It is almost like melting an iceberg and self-inquiry is the heat. Every time we assume we are a person, mind and a body separate from everything else, we are adding to this iceberg. And conversely, every time we actually look Every time there is actual looking that happens. And we see inside what we are and what we are not, what we find and what we do not find, we are allowing it to melt a little and a little and a little and a lot. This belief that I am a person with problems and things to transcend and a spiritual journey to go on is simply not true. And it causes a lot of suffering. Self-inquiry works best when we openly look inside our being 
and see if we can identify what we actually are. We are the lookers. We are the open, willing, I don't know, searchers. Helen writes amazingly, when we search our being, we do not find this me that inhabits the body. We find we do not actually know what we are. Maybe right now we actually practice a little bit. But to practice a little bit, before I keep reading, <laughs> we have to get, get in touch or get back in touch with this sense of being a person and I. A separate mind and body, separate from those other minds and bodies that either aren't doing it right or are disappointing us or causing us pain or, or that we're loving, that we think are special and that we secretly are scared that Things will change and we won't get to be with them. So the, the attachment can go all kinds of ways. Maybe we just bring to mind last time we were really feeling it, either irritated or separate or annoyed, ashamed, disrespected. Just get a sense of it. The belief plays, I can't believe they did that, or they said that, or I can't believe I did that or said that. And then it's just, and it, since it's believed, the body starts kicking up the emotions that are, you know, in the same little neuroplasticity, neural loops, you start to feel it, it'll heat going from the chest, belly, throat. Getting a sense of that me. And it's like, who's, who's pissed? Who's ashamed? Who's annoyed? Who's disappointed others or themselves? It'd be me. That'd be me. That, that, that sense of me. Helen writes, when we openly search our being without any preformed opinions about what we'll find, we come to the amazing fact that we cannot find a me. So let's maybe do that right now. We just turn attention inward. We sense this me, we can feel it. Now we actually look for it. We see if this entity that we assumed we are is actually locatable. And you notice we can find a body and a sense of someone. That we can find, the sense of me. But now we're looking for the physical location of the me. We do this with a kind of a sensing, a feeling into our being. It's not looking with the physical eyes, but it's simply a non-physical searching. So is it locatable? Can you find the physical location of this sense of me? this person on whose behalf all of these feelings 
are being recycled and rebelieved and rebelieved. as we look, we find feelings, yep. A sense of me is still here. There's still a sense. But is it locatable? Can we find a physical location with this I, this me? And you know, it's just important to just sweep back and forth and look all through. Just really be willing to find it. It's like it's like we're on the we're on the scent, right? We've got the scent of it. I mean, it's definitely here. Something's hearing this voice. Something's sitting in your chair, lying on your bed, on your cushion. I mean. So we're searching. Let's find it. Is it locatable? Or is it a fact that we do not find it? So we come right back to, can we identify what we really are, what this sense of me is? Or do we accept? I do not know what this sense of I is. The point isn't to find a better name or tell a better story. It's just to come to the point where when you can't find it, it you can't locate it. It doesn't have a physical location that you can find. And we're left with, I don't know. Helen writes, for most people, at first, this may bring up some fear. And this is normal, and it's okay. Our minds are used to thinking of ourselves as being solid objects. And while that may be true for the body, it is most certainly not true for me, for this sense of I, for this sentience, this aliveness, this awareness. It's just not a solid object. But we don't hear that and take it as a, a learning and try to memorize it like a fact. We go and see if we can find the solid object, if it's locatable, there's a physical location. The only thing that undoes our own energetic mass of belief around it is our own testing it and finding that we can't locate it. Only we can do this for us. Only we can see the belief in the mind playing out and then defeat the reality of that with looking, with a thousand field experiments a day, going in search of the eye.
Ellen says, stop right now as you read this and search what you think of as being you. So we don't find an object, a little me, a little like separate person that's living inside our body on whose behalf that all the emotions have to be believed and followed and defended and energized and thought about and thought about and thought about. What do we find? contemplating this together yesterday during our Tuesday morning class, heart exploration. Spent a good amount of time thinking of this like two wings of the bird. The bird is first the sense of I, of yourself, the person. And then the one wing is we look to see if it's locatable, if it's in a physical location. It's an object that we can find. And we see we cannot. The other wings, what, what do we find? Because there's still a sense of I here. We're not pretending like we don't still know something's in here. Something hears these words. Something knows how to wiggle the toes without looking. Nobody knows exactly the position of your body and the room. There's aliveness, there's awareness present. It's just not an object. So what is it? You look right at that sense of I, that, that aliveness, and see, does it, does it have any edges? any boundaries, any limits. So awareness is here and we just, we see where the physical body ends, right? Like your left shoulder, your right shoulder, your arm. Like body, 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 okay, space. So the body's definitely an object. The body has edges, boundaries, and limits. We can see them, we can feel them. How about you, the non-object, the aliveness, the awareness? Can you find an edge, a corner? Boundary. So awareness. in the body and then it's also kind of experienced beyond the body, right? In the sense of the space around your shoulders. Now, if I knew the sense of the, of the space, you're aware of the space in the, in the whole room. So it definitely goes that far. What about the space just outside the wall? It's the same space. There's just a, a wall there. Yeah, aware of that. What about the next room? What about the whole structure you're in? What about the street you're on? the whole neighborhood. The whole town, the whole state, the whole country, continent, the oceans, the atmosphere.
where does this non-object that you are, where does it end? Can you find an end? Last night I was contemplating this, looking at the sliver of the moon. So beautiful. Awareness was right there, right? I mean, that's how I saw the moon, right? Awareness didn't stop at the moon. There were stars, there were twinkles, and there was just lots and lots of dark, deep space. Where does this non-object, non-thing that you are end? Where are you not? Do you have any edges, boundaries, or limits? Do not assume anything. Just actually look. Look and see what you can find. And do not be stopped by fear. The mind is scared of what it does not know. But you are not your mind. Ask yourself, what am I? Can you identify what you actually are? Now, awareness is a great word. Aliveness is a great word. But in the end, it's a concept. A concept points to the thing. It never is the thing. We're interested in looking at the thing, the direct experience of the truth of what we are. We are not looking for a thought answer, although of course your mind will try to supply one. Keep looking, even when your mind tells you an answer. See what is revealed to you. Sometimes when I'm doing this kind of looking, I have to almost like give a rest by coming back to, I don't know what this sense of I is. I don't know what I am. 
like there's this searching, looking, intense, and then sometimes it just seems to call for a little rest. And I, I can confirm wholeheartedly. I cannot identify what I actually am. I do not know. And then when it feels right, we can ease back into looking. This is just very kind of gentle, open, not knowing, inhabiting the pause. That's really living, I don't know. And allowing whatever uncomfortableness that comes with that to, to be part of the I don't know. I have never met someone that was conditioned to be comfortable with a sincere and genuine I don't know. So if there's some uncomfortableness, at least I, I take it as a good sign that I truly don't know. Because when I look and I don't find any edges, even a little corner, a turn, a form, a boundary, Don't find any limits. And while I can confirm that I cannot find the limit, at the exact same time, I cannot identify what I actually am. I can just be that in the continued looking. Is there anywhere that you, the non-object, the non-tangible, the non-locatable is not. Are you imagining this? Is there imagination at play? Or are you just looking?
oftentimes there's a point where mind starts to chatter. It seems to be speaking to a you, telling you something. And you seem to be paying attention until you're not. So let's look for that you. Is that you locatable? We don't, we don't mind what happens. We don't mind mind chatter. That just allows us to do a little more self-inquiry. Can we find that you? Either the you that's speaking or the you that's listening. There's this often a sense of two things. Can we find either? Or do we find a mechanism of self-referencing that just runs for a while? kind of like a sump pump. You know, you kind of hear it for a while and then you realize it cut off. You don't even realize it, it comes back on until all of a sudden you do. You don't realize it cut back off, but then you don't hear it after a while. And we notice that it, it, that, that chatter, literally nothing to do with us. It's, it's its own mechanistic, karmic, energetic expression that is noticed by us, but not actually influenced by us. And then we turn attention back around. We look for the us. Look for that sense of me that just came back when the thought came back. Definite sense of me there. Thoughts were familiar. Maybe got a little pickup of some feelings. Some efferent nervous system feedback. And let's see if that's locatable. Can we find that? Can we find a physical location for that? is what we find the same boundless, limitless, contentless, open space in which it all plays out. Do we find two things or do we find one thing? We ask ourselves, what am I? What is this? Can I identify what I actually am? You can notice mind me. We want to throw out every teaching we have ever learned. We've done some learning. And can we ask, what hears that thought? What recognizes those words? 
to what do those concepts arise? By what are they heard? When we check out to what the thoughts arise, can we find it? Is it locatable? We got a sense of it. We just heard it. Got a sense of this me. They arise to. Who do they arise to? Me. Okay. <laughs> Let's go find the me. And this is where we can really utilize the loop of experience. The loop of experience, right? That I, what I think, I see. What, what I see, I experience. What I experience, I think. So we can catch it at the thinking part. A thought comes in. Yeah, we can. We can we can kind of play our inner uh, we can play our inner meatloaf. Stop right there! I gotta know right now. And we just take that thought. To what does that thought arise? Do self inquiry on that. If it when I think I see it, if it's what we see, if it's what we feel, we can stop right there. We gotta know right now. What knows that? What feels that? To what does that arise? Is that locatable? All roads lead to Rome. This non-thing, non-object, non-tangible, us, the awareness, the sentience, the aliveness is always here. So no matter what, combination or configuration of circumstance arise. There's only one question. And it's never the what, the what's already in motion, like Anna Ramana says, it's the where. Where are you locating yourself, your belief in what you actually are? in relation to it. Are you 
actually the witness, a watcher. the noticer in chief. And then we turn around, we try to find that noticer. Is it locatable? Is it an object? Does it have a form or a shape or a color, a smell, a taste? Can we touch it? Can we take a picture of it? Could we sketch it? Or is it formlessness itself? Each time we look and do not find a separate locatable self that is me, we are moving ever closer to waking up fully and finally. As we look and confirm over and over again, we begin to turn around the tide of belief and see that we are not a thing called me at all. We can't be what we can't even find. And we can't find a thing. We can't be a thing. Helen writes, in fact, we find we are a no thing and that our truest essence is formless, no edges, no boundaries, no limits, subjective, right? It's that which sees, it is not the object which is seen. It's what sees the object, but it itself has no objective qualities. And that's why when we look, we can't find it. We don't not find it because it's not here. We know it's here, <laughs> we are it. <laughs> We don't find it because it's not an object, subjective. And that's more like empty space. This is, this is why it's just not something to give to mind. Mind goes wrong. Mind's like that old lawnmower. You know, remember we'd be in charge of mowing the grass and we'd pull it. Nah, 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 nah. Mind just can't catch on this. This mind only knows how to look for objects. It can't look behind itself and see that into which the mind is dreamed. This empty space is sentient, intelligent, and awake. All phenomena come out of us, this formlessness. Thank you.